This is Resist and Renew. The UK-based podcast about social movements. What we're fighting for, why, and how it all happens. The hosts of the show are... Me, Kat. Uh, me, Sammy. And me, Ali. I'm recording this now, baby. Shit, it's a podcast! <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to today's episode of The Toolbox. We're going to be looking at the safer spaces policies today. And this is a tool that groups can create. We're going to be finding out what they are, talking about the pros and cons of using a safer spaces policy and sharing our top takeaways. Sammy, do you want to tell us a little bit about what safer spaces policies are? I would love to, Catherine. So I think, um, so safer spaces policies are often some kind of like written document or some kind of agreement um um often around the topic of like resisting societal oppressions um and they will name like often the beliefs of like a group or a space um some intentions to resist these societal um societal oppressions um sometimes mentioning what they think those versions of societal oppression are for clarity that aren't going to be like welcome in the space in whatever way they mean and sometimes they will include some bit about um, what they'll do uh, to like actually resist these societal oppressions not always and I guess maybe there's a distinction to make here between like something that is like more of a policy which is like this is what we think and blah 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 and maybe more than something that's like a process which is like we'll actually do this we'll handle these situations in this way so that's like one distinction to draw right now um Ali do you want to do you want to nuance do you want to nuance that up oh god pressure um so safer spaces it's a bit of a weird term if you haven't been around it much um so a bit of background as to why it's called that um previously people used to talk about creating safe spaces as in places that people will feel comfortable to share things and they won't get a deal with oppression and stuff but because that's not possible because we live in the real world um we try and mitigate against oppressions rather than making them completely safe so safer um there are variations some people have come up with the term braver spaces which is again about uh showing up and dealing with things as they arise rather than creating safety so a bit about why we are talking about safer space poli safer spaces policy in a season about conflict uh, that's because often conflicts within groups relate to both societal oppressions and how they are replicated in our spaces and or conflict can stem from the uses of policies and bureaucracy e.g. people say you did this thing and that's against the rule therefore we're gonna punish for you or make you do this thing because of that so policies might end up replicating punitive justice but uh, Sammy, do you want to tell us an example of uh, safer spaces policy that you've been around? Um, yeah, sure. So <clears throat> I was involved in a crew of people um, that was organising um, an anarchist feminist conference uh, in London in 2014. Um, and I was part of the crew that was trying to work out like how we wanted to handle this topic of like safer spaces within this uh, one day event basically um and so what we thought that it would be useful to do is so we people people started that process of like writing what is maybe what you could think of like a standard safer spaces policy where it's like we th here are some versions of societal oppression we think these are bad and we don't think 
people should replicate those in our space. And then we were like, I don't actually think this is very useful for people. Like, I don't think this is actually going to help anyone do anything. And I don't think this is really going to provide much uh, to actually resist the societal oppressions. What we tried to do was shift it a little bit into more of like a process. We were like, what do we think people would actually need to be able to resist those oppressions? And so, and then use that to identify what some interventions could be. So we were like, maybe if you don't want to raise something in a group, in a, in, a, in, a, in a workshop directly, but you want it to be raised, maybe there's someone you can tell and they can raise stuff for you. Or like maybe... Uh, we should have specific spaces to support people to be able to raise stuff at different points throughout the day. And so like added these different things in so that people could actually try and solve stuff. And we did that because we thought that maybe just having a safer spaces policy on its own, which is kind of a quite a common thing, felt quite limited. Um, and I guess that's going to lead into when we think about uh, strengths and weaknesses and things like that. Um, because I think probably TLDR uh, these are the kind of things which, when done well, are good, and when done not well, probably aren't good. Probably like all things. Uh, so who who wants to start with some strengths? I can. I think one one of the strengths of a safer spaces policy is that it can name the values of a group or space. And if you're a new person who maybe has never been to that group before, seeing these stated somewhere clearly, for example, on the group's website, can really help you judge maybe whether or not you want to go along, whether you want to work with that group, join that group, for example, uh, and can give a good indicator of the group's awareness of what kind of oppression exists in the world and what they are trying to uh, work against in their space or, or work to, to resist, as Sammy framed it. What are other strengths of this tool? Yeah, nice. Um, I think another strength, I guess, at its best, what safer spaces policies can do is provide structure to address replications of societal oppressions in your space um so there is a bit of a holding for that um that you know you can turn to and you, as as catherine said it's like named that this is the values and intentions of the space and we're going to do something about it mm. yeah and i think we talked we talked quite a lot i think in episode one if i remember correctly around like the importance of like uh clarity of language when we talk about things like this and sometimes what people will use as like these kind of documents like safer spaces policies for is to like outline when we say racism we mean these types of things um and we don't mean some things that may get called racism in society like anyone referring to race <laughs> that's not what we count as racism whatever um or for example what we what counts as when we talk about we want to do stuff to like um uh, repair harms. What do we mean by harm? So they can provide a space to really have that like, clarity of terms, which can smooth future conversations about stuff. I think. So those are some of the strengths. Uh, what do people think about some weaknesses of safer spaces policies? I can start with m my main one. It was uh, you alluded to it at the start, Ali, which is around like how safer spaces policies can link in with like punitive approaches within groups i think a thing that i often see as a limitation of having these like safer spaces policies when they are more of a policy and they don't really aren't really backed up by any form of process is what can happen is people have flagged to them you should do something if you see there is like something that you would deem like a like a, a realizing a operate like a, a an operation in service of racism in the space or whatever like 
you should do something about that. But if you don't give them guidance for what to do, then they will fall back on what the norms are for how things should be dealt with and uh, how you should deal with difficult situations, which often a lot of the things that people are drawing from is punitive frameworks, because that's what we use in school. That's what we use in uh, in people's work and all this kind of stuff. And so you can create a void that people will then fill with punitive approaches to uh, difficulty, difference, and conflict. And so I think that can um, create difficulties. And those can be amended by making sure that you don't provide that vacuum by trying to be clear about like what are the ways that you will actually deal with stuff um, and how what kind of outcomes do you want if you don't want punishment to be the default response? What are the responses that you want? What are the kind of values you want to embed in the space? And things like that. And then I guess that suggests that maybe it's not all about policies. It's also about processes. It's also about group culture and things like that. So mm -hmm. not to say they're not a good tactic, but that can be a real limitation of them when done unideally. Yeah. Um, one weakness that it makes me think of is that for me when i see a safer spaces policy and it says like we are an anti-racist non-hierarchical feminist perfect collective um for me it kind of sets the bar quite high of to like what expectations i'm going to have about this group and in general most groups fail to live up to them because we're not there yet and it's a process and we're working on it and if implying that a group is has all these values and implying that there might be something done about things when harms happen and then they don't it can feel like a real letdown and can feel like yeah there's like an expectation gap of they said they had these values i was hoping when something i was hoping nothing would happen bad something bad did happen and then if there wasn't the the backup of the policy uh, a process to deal with it or hold it or if even worse like punishment is the way you deal with it then that can feel like extra harmful or extra like hurtful in mm. comparison to like going to a space where you're like ah oh, these people could be all right but I don't, they haven't said that they're ultra radical people and yeah it just sets set things up for a bit of a failure sometimes i think a weakness for me which i'm going to have a go at trying to explain but if i get stuck i might ask for some help which is around questioning a little bit like who is creating these safer spaces policies within a group and often it is the people who are confident the people who want to um who feel like maybe they're more in the mainstream of that group um and have a sense of like what the right way to do things are um and that isn't necessarily like the right way for everybody uh, and what can happen is the mainstream writes this policy of what they feel is what safer space feels like uh, and then use that to police those on the margins who might disagree um, with that mainstream view by using these punitive uh, rule breaking kind of things that Sammy was just talking about. Um, and I feel like that's not always the case, but I, I definitely seen in groups um use a safer spaces policy to center the comfort of the mainstream um, and by saying we're having a safer space here not allowing conflict disagreement into that space because it's not making it safe but actually what that usually means is not making it feel comfortable 
to the people who are in the mainstream. And that mix, mi mixing and matching of those terms can get quite tricky and sticky quite quick um, and lead to quite oppressive dynamics in this mainstream margin dynamic. Can I, I'd like to throw like a quick example of what came to mind when you were saying that Catherine is like, there's a distinction that people will sometimes make between like calling in and calling out. Again, like Safer Spaces, it's a very jargony thing. Uh, feel free to Google, maybe we'll put some resources in the show notes. But I think uh, what I've seen happen in, in kind of uh, that dynamic is I've seen people say when they're trying to like set a Safer Spaces policy, like, oh, we are the, we want to, we are the kind of space where we want to like call people in, not call people out or whatever. Um, and often what people mean by that is like, I don't want someone to be angry at me when I'm insensitive to other people around me. And like, or what people can mean by that is like, oh, like what I think is really important is that we really like, we really value the humanity of all of the people that are here. And like, we try and make sure we listen to people and blah, blah, blah. And like, you can, you can say things which sound acceptable within like certain communities and certain, uh, mainstreams of different groups that actually maybe aren't things you want to operationalize as being fine by writing them into a policy but because they're within the mainstream they don't get questioned mm -hmm. yeah and i think like to kind of extend on from that it can also be if it's vague about what the safety means it can also be weaponized um the vagueness can be weaponized for example, someone could say, well, I'm allowed to say something racist because your policy around inclusiveness would make that a safe space for me to say whatever I want to say. I should be free to say what I want to say because then I'm safe to say that, even though it's very, very harmful. Um, and it gets murky around like what is OK to say, what is not OK to say, what is being policed, what is not being policed, what is considered harmful, what is not considered harmful. And I guess like what I want to say is that these things are often complex, they're often interpersonal, they're often relational, they're often relating to the values and politics of the group, uh, and that can change over time. And the way we want to deal with that probably isn't going to be in a rigid, static policy document. It will be in an iterative conversation about what is okay and not okay in that space. Um, and usually that will always include saying we don't think it's okay to be racist and what that looks like in terms of how a group deals with that will be different context to context based on is that a full group accountability process is that pulling someone aside and having that chat outside the room is it sending someone on a training process like whatever it might be it's context specific um, and a, a rigid document doesn't always get into the nuances of of all of this complexity nice i just wanted to circle back um there's been a few terms thrown around and one that catherine mentioned earlier was mainstreams and margins which is like a tool that um, comes from training for change which is a training collective in the states uh which is all about group culture and how there can be certain uh behaviors cultures identities that are considered acceptable and normal and those which are not as welcome uh we will drop a link to that in the show notes so you can read more about that if you want to great do you feel like i think there's maybe one uh there was one just small note to add like maybe just like an idea to bring in that could be helpful um 
which I think you were talking about the other day, Ali, is just like the idea of uh, negative peace. It's like a thing in like kind of uh, Martin Luther King, uh, Kingy and the kind of uh, stuff thinking about like how there can be like positive peace, which is like the presence of justice versus negative peace, which is just the absence of violence. And like often I think going into those ideas of safety, sometimes what is motivating these kind of policies is the is a explicit drive to create negative peace, i.e. remove conflict from a space. And that is probably not a thing that is a good idea to do in a lot of spaces. So really think about what the purpose is. Nice. And I guess one like consideration for safer spaces policies is like, what is this safer spaces policy for? Is it for your group, which regularly meets all the time? And that therefore like a policy might not be as like organic as talking about things and iterating things and developing things relationally over time or is it like the example where sammy gave earlier where it's like a one-day event so like yeah it might be useful to like have some posters around being like these are some values in our space and these are ways you can interact with the space and let us know if things aren't going how you want them to go but like different spaces they might be more and less appropriate in different uh yeah spaces so how about some top takeaways from safer spaces um so i think for me it's that idea about how like um policies like all aspects of like structures within a group can either like uh help or hinder different things that you want to happen and i think policies really have the ability to help enable harms in a group for example a punitive um response to problems when they happen so if you want to use a safer spaces policy in your group then it's really important to do stuff to explicitly plan against that for example think about what are actually relevant consequences to specific versions of harm that can happen in a space like because there's the consequence for someone saying something which they like use the term that they don't realize has a racist origin maybe quite a different thing to somebody like yelling at somebody repeatedly every single time you have a meeting but they're always yelling at the same person and all this kind of stuff like the different actions will have different consequences who else i guess one takeaway for me is that um it can be a really useful uh written statement of intention statement of value statement of what the group believes and if we can be clear about what that intention is it can be helpful it can be a welcoming signal of like what kind of group this might be if it's backed up by practice and i think for me uh, the context matters um so um, thinking about whether you need to have a statement of intent for a day workshop for example um isn't going to easily transfer to that group that will meet on a regular basis and thinking about what is the purpose what is the context uh, what is the regularity who what are the relationships in the space uh, will really help you when you're thinking about when and how and if to use a safer spaces tool. Nice. Safe. So, <laughs> safe, safer. So, summary. <laughs> As like all things, sometimes good, sometimes bad, question mark. <laughs> mm, figure it Great. out. <laughs> Great. The end. Nice. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Resist Renew podcast. Thanks as ever to Klaus for letting us use this backing track and to Rowan for doing all the transcription on this season. If you want to find out more about Resist Renew as a training and 
Facilitation Collective, check out our website, resistrenew.com, or on all the socials. And if you want to support the production of this podcast, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash resistrenew. That's it for this week. Thanks for listening and catch you next time. Bye-bye.